Welcome to the Sunday morning podcast from Kingdom Faith Church in Horsham. This message is by Colin Urquhart. Just stay standing for a moment. Father, we thank you so much that we're only here because of the sacrifice that you made for us. We thank you that throughout the years there have been many that have sacrificed their lives for others. And we're mindful this morning that your call on our lives is for our bodies to be a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to you, that this is our spiritual worship, that we would be prepared to lay down our lives in love for others, in fulfillment of your word, not necessarily to die physically, but to die to ourselves so that we may live for the welfare and the blessing of others, and in so doing, reveal to them something of your love, of your life, of your power, and of your glory. We thank you, Lord, for the fact that we can only love because you have first loved us. And we pray this morning that we'll gain a greater revelation of the nature of that love that you have for us and for all your people. So we bless your wonderful and your holy name. Amen. Okay, you may be seated. There's some dedication certificates here, so those of you who had your children dedicated, don't go without those. Romans 8, verse 28. And we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. For those God foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the likeness of his Son, that he might be the firstborn among many brothers. And those he predestined, he also called. Those he called, he also justified. Those he justified, he also glorified. What then shall we say in response to this? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also, along with him, graciously give us all things? Wonderful scripture from Romans 8. A lot of people are afraid of this word, predestined or predestination. It's very clear from Scripture that all of us who belong to the Lord Jesus Christ can only belong to him because this is God's predestined purpose. So it's important for us to understand that because if we don't, then we don't understand really the nature of our call from God and what his purpose is for our lives. Because God does not make up his purpose for us as we go along. 
even before the creation of the world, he had that preordained purpose for us. And the strange thing about the scripture is that there's no conflict in the thinking of God between predestination and the exercise of our free will, as we will see. Paul, when he's writing to the Ephesians, says this, for he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. In love, he predestined us to be adopted as his sons through Jesus Christ in accordance with his pleasure and will and to the praise of his glorious grace, which he has freely given us in the one he loves. Then a little later, he says, in him, we were also chosen, having been predestined according to the plan of him who works out everything in conformity with the purpose of his will in order that we, who were the first to hope in Christ, might be for the praise of his glory. Now, if we put all those scriptures together, how can we really understand the purpose of God for our lives so that we can be committed submitted, devoted, dedicated to seeing the outworking of that purpose. We know because this has been the theme for us during these last weeks, this autumn, that God's purpose is that we should be like Jesus, that we should walk in his steps, that whoever claims to live in Christ, whoever claims to be a Christian, must walk as Jesus did, must be like him. And of course, when you look at the life of Jesus and if you compare your own life with his, you'll see that it's totally impossible to be like him unless he is working in us to bring that into effect. That trying to imitate him just leads to constant failure. We can't ever measure up to Jesus in and of ourselves. But if we have Christ living in us, then it must be possible for us to fulfill the purpose of God for our lives to reflect the life of Jesus. We know also from the scripture that says that God is transforming us into his likeness with ever-increasing glory and that this is the work of the Holy Spirit within us. Now let's start for a moment because I don't want to speak for too long which is always a fatal thing for a preacher to say because I want us to spend some time praying and meeting with God at the end of the message. But the, um, uh, if we think for a moment about the ministry of Jesus himself, if we've got to be like him, we've got to understand in what way we are to be like him. And we see the way in which Jesus related to the Father and there are four principal ways in which we are to be like Jesus because this is the way that he related to the Father. Now, over 30 times, Jesus says in the words that we have recorded uh, in the Gospels, over 30 times, he makes the point that he was sent. He didn't choose to come. He was sent by the Father. And he was sent by the Father with a particular mission. 
And he made it very clear that he hadn't come to do his own will, but the will of the Father who sent him. So Jesus was perfectly free. He had to be thoroughly human like us to fulfill the will of God. But he knew that the will of the Father for him was predestined. That God had sent him to not only bring us the gospel about the kingdom of God, but also to die on the cross and make it possible for us to receive salvation. All this was the plan of God. In fact, the scriptures say that it was what God planned even before the creation of the world. He knew that although he created man in love to be like him, that man would sin, he knew that a whole work of redemption would be needed. He even planned that whole process of redemption that would take place through the ministry of Jesus Christ. So there came a time for the Son to be born into the world to bring about this predestined purpose of God. In the same way, we all believe that Jesus will come again. And we believe that when he comes again, there will be a new heaven and a new earth because this is what the scripture reveals to us. But that's all part of the predestined purpose of God. You see, what Paul has just said, as we've read from Ephesians, that God always works according to the outworking of his plan and purpose. And he doesn't make that plan up. He made that plan up even before the creation of the world. So when we become part of, of Christ, or when we're born into Christ and Christ lives in us, we become part of that purpose. And this is why Jesus said to the disciples, you did not choose me, but I chose you. So there's something awesome about being chosen by God. There's something awesome about what the scripture calls being elected. I'm very glad that we're not politicians who need to try to please people so they get elected at the next uh, general election or anything like that because we've already been elected. We've already been unchosen and nobody can unchoose us. The devil can't unchoose us. Nothing can prevent us from fulfilling the plan and the purpose of God. Now, there are four ways in which we see uh, that we need to be like Jesus because this is the way that he reflected the life of the Father. The first of these is, of course, we are to be like him in character. Jesus revealed the character of the Father. The Father and the Son have exactly the same character. All the characteristics of the Father are the characteristics of the Son and also the characteristics of the Holy Spirit because the Father and the Son are one. Three ways in which God reveals himself to us. So Jesus came to show us the character of the Father. And what we see in Jesus is essentially this character of love, of compassion. He looked upon all the people and to him they seemed to be like sheep without a shepherd and he had 
compassion on them. He had compassion on all those that were living in darkness. He had compassion on the sick and he healed them. We see this, this mercy that God showed to people when they came to him and that mercy is the outworking of this love and this compassion. We see lots of other characteristics uh, of Jesus, that he was the man of joy and, and of peace, the Prince of Peace and so on. There's no time for us to go into a great amount of detail. But we can see, therefore, that God has called us to be a people of love, just as Jesus was, a people of compassion, a people who are desperately concerned for the salvation of souls, to see more and more and more people coming out of darkness into the light of Christ, that his whole purpose was to die, not just for the sake of those who become believers, but for the sake of all mankind, for the whole world, for every sinner. He took every sinner to the cross, but only those who believe in him are raised to new life. So that same love, that same mercy, that same compassion is to be reflected in our lives. And of course, that is really a matter of the heart, that we have hearts of love, hearts of compassion, hearts of mercy. And of course, such hearts, therefore, are the very opposite of being critical and judgmental and divisive. They're, they're hearts that are full of forgiveness. Do you understand how important it was that as Jesus was having his hands and feet nailed to the cross, he would not have been raised from the dead unless he had prayed for the forgiveness of those who were putting him on the cross. He actually had to express that love, that mercy, that compassion, even for those who were crucifying him. He could not hang on the cross with a sense of judgment and condemnation towards them. This is why, of course, he was so willing to say to one of the two thieves that was crucified with him, that today you will be with me in paradise because he asked for Jesus' forgiveness. So we see even to the last, even to the last breath, there is this love, there is this compassion, there is this mercy in the heart and the life of Jesus. And we are called to be like him. We see also that he at all times was submitted to the authority of his father. In the days of his humanity, he could say the father and I are one, but he also had to submit to the will of his father. I haven't come to do my own will. And you remember in the Garden of Gethsemane before he went to the cross, he prayed, not my will, but yours be done. So just like we are to reflect the love, the compassion, the mercy of Jesus, in all our relationships, even towards those who damage us, harm us, speak all manner of evil against us, untrue things, criticism, or whatever it is, we have that heart of compassion, we have that heart of mercy, we have the heart of forgiveness, we have that heart of love. So also, 
we have hearts of submission to him, submission to his will and to his authority, that just as Jesus realized he was sent for the purpose of God, so we have been called for the purpose of God. So we don't live the Christian life for our own ends, for our own purposes, our own desires. God does not exist just to bless us and give us what we want in our lives, but he has called us to do what he wants to do with our lives, that our lives really do belong to him. So we are to be one with Jesus, really in the call of God, in, in, in having that uh, same characteristics as him, and being submitted to the will of the Father, just as he was submitted to the will of the Father. Then thirdly, we share in his charisma. Now the charisma is the gifting of God. Jesus is known as the Christ, which means the anointed one. And we have received the anointing of the Holy One. Remember, that's how John puts it in his first epistle. You have the anointing from the Holy One. We share in the charisma, we share in the anointing of Jesus. And that is an anointing of love. He's poured his love into our hearts by the Holy Spirit. It's an anointing of power that enables us to fulfill whatever God calls us to do, not in our own strength, but in his will and in his purpose. So we can understand that God has predestined us in his love to be like his son to be sons of God ourselves, to be children of God ourselves, but to become like his son, as he said in that <clears throat> scripture that we read from Romans 8 right at the beginning. So that means we're to become like him in our call, in our character, in the charisma. We have the anointing of the same Holy Spirit that was upon Jesus to live within us, to enable us to fulfill the will and purpose of God. But then we also share in his mission. That the mission of Jesus is the same mission for all those who now live in Christ Jesus. And his mission was that the kingdom would come and the will of God be done on the earth as it is in heaven. So God hasn't called us for our own plans and purposes, but to be part of his mission, no matter what the nature of your work or, or the realm of your relationships, the, the um, structure of your life, it's all ultimately so that we are part of those kingdom purposes of God. Now, mission means being sent, that we are sent to the world, just as Jesus was sent to the world, so he sends us to the world. As the Father has sent me, so have I sent you. So we see that if we are going to fulfill the call of God on our lives, this idea of becoming more like Jesus is not just a pipe dream. It's not something impossible. It's the very reason why God has saved us and why he lives within us by the power of the Spirit to make it possible. Oh, we will never outwork the perfection of God in the same way that Jesus did, but he is working within us 
to transform us more and more into his likeness with ever-increasing glory. So like him, we are to want to reflect the character of the Father. Like him, we are wanting to be submitted to the authority of God in our lives so that his plan and his purpose can be outworked in us. Like him, we share in the same anointing of the Holy Spirit that is going to enable us to fulfill the purpose of God. And like him, we are anointed and empowered to fulfill the mission of God that he has for his church and therefore for every believer, for every person who is part of the body of Christ. All this is totally and utterly and completely impossible for us without him. Apart from me, you can do nothing. But God has made it all possible by uniting us with Christ, by putting us into him, and by putting his life into us. Now, ultimately, all this can only be fully outworked through our hearts. Now, if you understand that what I have just described to you is, according to Scripture, the predestined purpose of God. Now, how does our free will fit in with that? Well, let me ask you, those four things that I've spoken about, are they being perfectly outworked in your life? Have they been in the past? And you don't have to answer me. I'll tell you that the answer for you is no, they haven't been. And they haven't been because of your free will. That God never forces his will upon us, nor does he manipulate people to do his will. If God was going to force his purpose, if he was going to manipulate us, then all of us would have lived by those four things just in the way that Jesus did because this is the purpose of God. This is his pre, uh, predestined purpose for every believer, not just for those in kingdom faith, although he has a special heart for those in kingdom faith, <laughs> as we all know. Hallelujah. But... <laughs> uh, we can see, therefore, that we share in this purpose of God by our own free will. He will not force that predestined purpose upon us. He is willing to see the outworking of that, of all those things, character, the submission to authority, the outworking of the anointing, and the fulfilling of the mission to which he calls us, he is content to see that all worked out through our free will. He will never force you to obedience. He will never manipulate in you into submitting to his authority. He will never stamp his character upon you, but will only do in your life that which you give him leave and permission to do by the exercise of your free will. 
Now, if this is the case, then how can God be so confident that he will see his purpose, his predestined purpose, filled out and fulfilled in characters like us? Knowing, as he does, that we will often abuse the use of our free will in doing what he doesn't want and that often we will grieve him either through ignorance or sometimes because we choose our own will above his will. How can he be so confident that he will fulfill his predestined purpose in your life? If, to do that, he is dependent upon your free will. That you will exercise freely the decisions that you make so that your life comes into greater conformity with his life. Well, the scripture helps us to understand this by saying that he knows those whom he has called and chosen. Will there be some fall off on the way? Yes, it seems so from what Jesus says, especially in parables like the parable of the sower. But God knows that he will have a people that will fulfill his predestined purpose. And he knows that every child of God who is called is able to see that if they choose to exercise their free will in the way that he has determined. He's given us that, that choice, that ability. So all I want in my own life is to see the fulfillment of God's call upon my life. Doesn't matter what he's done in the past because I'm living today and tomorrow I will live tomorrow. And every day what matters is whether my life is really devoted and dedicated to him and to his plan and purpose day by day. Paul says when he's writing to the Ephesians, live up to your high calling. You can see it is a high calling to be like Jesus. God doesn't have a low calling for any child of God. We might want to believe that God's calling upon our lives is a lot less than what I've described. But in the New Testament, God doesn't have different levels of calling for different people. He has different ministries, but we're all called to the same life. He's predestined us all <clears throat> to be adopted as his sons He's, adept, he's called us all to be holy and blameless in his sight. He's called us all to be conformed to the image of his son, Jesus. And we can't avoid that. We can't say, Lord, I want a lesser call than that, because that is the call that goes along with being saved. So you can either not be saved and not have that call, or be saved and have that call. And therefore, we need to be in that place where day by day, not just in the occasional, on the occasional um, event, but day by day, we are submitting our lives to him in these four ways. 
that the desire of our heart, see, it's not going to happen if it isn't the desire of your heart. But the desire of my heart needs to be, Lord, I want more of the character of Jesus. I want to be submitted more to your authority. Lord, I want to live and flow more in the anointing of your spirit that you have graciously poured into my life. And Lord, I want to be more effective and more uh, fruitful in the fulfilling of the mission to which you have called me along with every other brother and sister in Christ. So day by day, this is the kind of heart attitude that is going to be needed in every child of God if they're really to see the outworking of the will and purpose of God in their lives. The nature of their ministries would be different because... There are many different acts of service, but the same Lord and the same Spirit. The uh, Scripture makes that clear. But we all need to have the same kind of heart, the heart after the heart of God. And you see, when you were saved, God gave you a new heart and he put a new spirit within you. And the law of God is not now written in a book but the law of God, the laws of God, the commands of God are written upon your heart because that is the promise of all those who belong to the new covenant, all those who are living in Jesus and in whom Jesus is living. Now, my friends, why is this such an important message, especially at this time? I I heard the way the Spirit of God was moving here last Sunday. I was uh, ministering in Italy last Sunday, so uh, I wasn't there to share in that. But you see, God wants to lead us on step by step, week by week, month by month, in his plans and purposes for us, because this is an important season. And you see, what is at stake is not the will of God in your life. That's not... That's not God's end purpose. The end purpose is the mission. And the mission is to see lives come out of darkness into light, is to see people that are bound for hell actually ending up in heaven. It's it's to have that, that understanding that that is only going to happen in the effective and fruitful way that God intends if in fact we devote our lives to the Lord in the four ways about which I've spoken this morning. If that is what we are doing with our lives, then we will be more fruitful and effective. We will see many more people being saved. It's great, 17 will be baptized Uh, later this month but I mean 17 a week 17 a day this is what we need to be aiming for not 17 just uh, the occasional baptismal service because there are so many people out there for whom Christ died and they don't understand that and they don't know the salvation that they need and that is available to them they don't understand the quality of life that could be theirs if only They put their faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. So, of course, God wants to meet with us day by day in our needs. He wants to supply for us. He wants to heal us. He wants to to, uh, 
us to lay hold of the inheritance and the blessings that we have in Christ. All that is going on in our lives all the time. But we need to have the right perspective as to why God is doing all those things, why he is ready to bless us and to move in our lives in the way that he does because of his predestined purpose. The great comfort that we have from scripture is that when we see him as he is, when we see him in his glory, when we've completed our task on earth, then we shall be like him. Suddenly, in the twinkling of an eye, we will be transformed perfectly into his likeness. Perhaps you would like that to happen today <laughs> because that will save a lot of... That will save you a lot of cost because, you see, Jesus said, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross and come with me. And what is that cross? That cross is the cross of self-denial so that we submit our wills to the will of God. We submit our lives to the life of God. That his love and his life and his power and his glory will be revealed through us. That we will live not just to have good Christian lives ourselves, not just knowing that God would like us to be more like him, but conscious that he wants all of that because of the mission, because of why Jesus came and why he sends us in the same way that the Father sent him. That's not going to make us all evangelists, but it is making us all witnesses. And it does mean that the quality of our lives spiritually is going to affect how fruitful and productive we are, not just individually, but as a church, as a body of believers. And lastly, Jesus Christ has already accomplished all this in his own life. And therefore, as he lives in you, you have the one who has already accomplished what needs to be accomplished in your life. So by your trust in him, he can work it out in you. And I just want to say a word about consecration because this is a word that is much misused among Christians. People are often given the impression that what we need to do is to consecrate ourselves more and more to the Lord. That sounds like a good thing. But actually, if you have that idea, you're denying an important truth in Scripture. When Jesus went to the cross, what was he doing? Two things. He was sacrificing his life to the Father. It was the sacrifice that was necessary in order that people may be saved. But it was the sacrifice to the Father. That was the purpose of the sacrifice. It covered all the sin, all the iniquity, all the failure, all the sickness, all every, every negative, but it was to the Father. But it was for others. To the Father, 
for all those who are going to benefit through the sacrifice of his life. Now, you were present in that crucifixion. Like Paul, you can say, I was crucified with Christ. In that act of crucifixion, you were consecrated to the Father along with Jesus. And he prayed that before he went to the cross. May they be truly sanctified or consecrated just as I am. He says, I, I consecrate myself that they too may be truly consecrated. So Jesus consecrated you to the will of God when he took you to the cross. So the consecration in your life is to acknowledge I am fully, totally consecrated to God. That happened when Jesus, when I was co-crucified with Christ. And just as that act of consecration was made by Jesus to the Father for others, so I was consecrated to the Father for others. If I was part of, the, of that crucifixion and the scripture says I was and you were, otherwise we wouldn't be saved, then our lives have already been consecrated to the Father fully and if we're not living that out, then we're withholding something from God that is rightfully his. But we were consecrated to him for others, not for our benefit, but for others because that's the whole purpose of the cross. So we live for others, not for ourselves. You've heard me say that again and again. But you see, the truth of that begins on the cross. That when God called, and called us and chose us and predestined us to be his sons, to be his children, to be conformed, to be like Jesus, that call was actually establishing us in the outworking of the cross and of the resurrection in our lives. Fully consecrated to him for the benefit of others. The mission is for the benefit of others. The mission for Jesus was for the benefit of others. We've even given thanks at a human level for many that have given their lives in war for the benefit of others. And we talk about their sacrifice. That is the nature of sacrifice. The nature of sacrifice is you give yourself for the benefit of others. And that is the sacrifice that God calls us to make in our lives. What he says to us, what Jesus says to us, is in making that sacrifice and living in love for others is the fullness of our joy. These things I have spoken to you that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full. And beloved friends, we can't get away from the truth of what I've said to you here this morning. We can't get away from the purpose of God. We can't wish that his purpose was less than it is. 
And we can look at our lives, it's not advisable to do that for more than about two seconds, but we can look at our lives and realize how far short of that we become, which only should inspire us not to say it's hopeless, it's helpless, I can't possibly live up to such a high calling, because God the Holy Spirit lives in you to enable you to live up to that high calling. That it should spur you on and say, Lord, I want a heart, I want my heart to be in line with your heart. I want more of your character in my life to be reproduced day by day. I want to live in greater submission to your will, to your authority in my life day by day. I want to live in the power of that anointing that you have poured into my life, your love and your power by the Holy Spirit day by day. And I want to be more effective in the outworking of the mission to which you've called me as part of your body day by day. Can we all stand? And let's close our eyes and pray. God has ordained not only that this should be the purpose for every child of God, but that it can only be fulfilled through prayer. Jesus could only fulfill his part when he was here on earth by being the man of prayer. If he, if he was so busy ministering to people in the day, he would pray all night. But nothing would stop him from being the man of prayer because he knew that the only way in which he could really live in dependence on the Father was through prayer. So right now, close your eyes and thank God that out of all the billions of people, he has called you. He has chosen you. He has predestined you to be conformed to the likeness of his son. And there's a scripture that says that what he has said, that will he bring about. And what he has planned, that he will do. So I want you to thank God for your call. Thank God for his predestined purpose in your life. Thank him for the sacrifice he made for you that has enabled you to be saved. Thank him that you could only be saved because he took you to the cross. He didn't just die for you, you died with him. That's what baptism signifies. <clears throat> Those who will be baptized, that will signify that their lives are buried with Christ and they raised to a new life. So thank him that you've been crucified with Christ. That at that moment, your life was consecrated to God.
by Jesus. To you, or to him, you are one of his consecrated ones. Why don't you thank him? Thank you, Lord, you consecrated me. You offered me to the Father. When you offered yourself, you offered me. That as you lived fully for the outworking of the Father's will in your life, so I might live fully for the outworking of your will in my life. And can you thank him that in that act of consecration to the Father, it was for others. So can you thank him now that he has called you not for yourself, but to live for others, to be a blessing to others, to love, to serve, to save, to heal, to witness, to encourage, to build up so that many others will be thankful to God for you, that your light will shine before men, that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father in heaven. So as you stand before him now, just ask the Lord to take any selfishness out of your heart. The scripture says those with selfish ambition will not inherit the kingdom of God. You can't live a saved life and live a selfish life. So thank you, Lord, that our lives are available. All our resources are available to you for others to be a blessing to enable us to fulfill the mission to which you call us. And we praise you, we bless you, we thank you that this is the most joyful way that we could possibly live. That in giving we will receive good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over. That in blessing we will be blessed. In giving we will receive. In living for others we will indeed be lifted up. Hallelujah. We praise you, Jesus. We bless you, Lord, and we thank you. We thank you, Lord. It doesn't matter where we've been in the past. It's where we are today and where we're going to be in the future. We thank you, Lord, that you are leading this church into a revival that is going to affect the lives of multitudes of people. And I thank you, Lord, what you're doing last week, what you're doing this week is all part of your reviving process that you're preparing us for this great move to come, that faith camp is ended because you're going to do something greater amongst us. And we praise you, Lord, that every step along the way is preparation for this greater thing that you are going to be doing. And we praise your holy name. And that means, Lord, that through the mission of this church, we won't just reach a few thousand one week during the year, but we will reach many thousands every week during the year. 
and we praise you, we bless you, we thank you, we give you glory, we give you honor. So Lord, we, we lay our lives on the line. Can't, I can't lay anybody else's life on the line. I can only lay my own life on the line. But I pray, Lord, for my brothers and sisters here that we would just lay our lives before you this morning. And we will, we will not just say, because it's thing that Christians so often say, Lord, have your way with us. But we will mean it. We want you to have your way. We want, Lord, to be more like Jesus in character, in authority, in anointing, and in mission. And we give you all the glory, all the honor, and the praise. Come on, just praise him now. Praise him now. Praise him now. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And thank him. Thank him that he's going to work it out in you with your free will. Amen. Because you choose to cooperate with him, his purpose can be fulfilled. So come on, let's give him all the glory. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Praise your holy name. Bless your holy name. Thank you, thank you, thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. You planned it all, Lord, and you work according to your plan. Hallelujah. And it shall be. You are the great amen to everything that you have promised. And we thank you that by your mercy and your grace, you will outwork your purpose in our lives in love. And we give you all the glory, all the honor, and all the praise. Let's shout hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Thank you for listening to this Kingdom Faith podcast. We trust it's been an encouragement to you. For more information and resources from Kingdom Faith and our other audio and video podcasts, please visit www.kingdomfaith.com.